Welcome to The Hoodoo Factory, a game show and discussion podcast about the 90s NBC sitcom classic, News Radio. We will be drafting News Radio episodes into units with a common theme. In part A of the podcast, we will host a game show based on our drafted episodes. The contestants will compete for ABSA points in hopes of being declared the ABSA winner. In part B of the podcast, we will discuss the episode in greater detail. We are three dorks who prefer the term news radiologists who decided to use Twitter and podcasting for good instead of pure evil. Hello, fellow WNYXicans. I'm Lauren, and I will be today's host. I'm here with Thaddeus. Hello. And Tom. Hello. This episode, Halloween, is the second episode in our Costume Mania unit of episodes. And now I'm going to kick it off with our Agent Zero pew pew plot synopsis. Halloween was season three, episode five. It originally aired on October 30th, 1996, which was a Wednesday. Mr. James is making plans for his annual Halloween party. With the exception of Matthew, the staff of WNYX are not invited due to the fact that they don't get into the Halloween spirit. Lisa convinces everyone to dress up and participate in order to attend by promising that Dave will wear the dorkiest costume of them all. Bill has an existential crisis after a psychic reader tells him the exact date and time at which he's going to die. He initially becomes very depressed, but later decides to embrace the time he has left by dating someone he believes to be a much older woman. Dave shows up at the party wearing Lisa's dress, causing Lisa's insecurities to spiral out of control. Now, we've set up a few categories and games, and I, as the benevolent host, will bestow arbitrary absa points to the contestants if I deem their answers and arguments worthy. At the end of part A, I will award one adequate contestant our episode's absa award for excellence in this podcast. So, let's get started with round one, absa fever. Category one, what scene would you show to a new person? And up first is going to be Thaddeus. So what scene would you show to a new person? Okay, the the scene I would show to a new person is Lisa and Dave in the office uh, in the middle of the party. When she freaks out and goes down, um, before, before obviously Dave does a little run in, into the office, but we have the two of them in the office. We find out that Lisa is upset at Dave because he looks better than she does in that dress. Uh, Dave drops a couple stunners, a couple don't hate me because I'm beautiful. You know, I realize <laughs> at 30, I look better as a girl. Uh, and then they have some playful banter on the way out. Uh, call me a party slut, jealous. And uh, we actually leave that scene feeling good. So that is the scene I would show to a new person. I think they get all the jokes and you feel good when you leave. Yeah, it's kind of a, a surprising way that they tie, tie up that storyline yeah. there. And there's some memorable lines and moments there. That's a good one. All right, Tom, what scene the are best. you going to show to a new person? Uh, I would go with the um, the psychic at the conference table with Beth when she, when you know, from the beginning when she comes over to the conference room table and um, talks to Beth and they go away and then they come back and she does readings for Beth and then Matthew and then Bill. Um, there's just a lot of good jokes in there. Uh, you get most of the, most of the cast is involved. Um, including like the readings from Matthew where you find out his cat's names and he's like, you know, saying how like she's way off base because she said they're cutesy and like choo-choo and mit-mit are just like fun cute names or whatever. And he's like, no, you're way off base. (laughs) Um, yeah, that, that whole scene is, is, uh, really good. Yeah, you get a lot of um, the the display of the cast characters from the way they react to the psychic, which yeah. I thought was really mm-hmm. good. Good choice. All right, Thad, what's your second scene you're going to show to a new person? Okay, my second scene is going to be Lisa in the break room convincing everybody to get a costume and go to the party. Yes. Um, we have her trying to turn all the cool kids. So everyone is really just kind of blasé a little bit. And she's really working hard to try to, to get him into it. She turns around and throws Dave under the bus. 
which is <laughs> hilarious. It doesn't like you don't need to know who anybody is. If you see someone get thrown under the bus and you and you recognize it, that's funny. And then they all leave again on a great note, chanting out because they're excited to get costumes. And then we get this great scene between Bill and Dave. <laughs> like, oh, you haven't heard? I'm terminal. Yeah, uh, you know, and he's like, you know, we got 36 years left on Earth, you know. Uh, and Dave rolls out with the Make a Wish line. So like. Great mm-hmm. scene, great lines. You know, once again, just a great thing to show somebody new. It, it was good. It, and again, kind of surprising. I, I, you don't see going into that scene how Lisa's <laughs> going to turn it around, and then she does. Well, what the hell are we waiting for? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I couldn't wait. <laughs> All right, Tom, what's your second scene for a new person? Uh, my second scene would be... Um, when Bill goes to the psychic the second time and mm. Bugs are at the party um, through when he's talking, confronts Dorothy about his newfound information when the psychic switches mm. her prognosis. Um, <laughs> just Bill explaining to Dorothy about how the relationship doesn't work. <laughs> just, well, that sounds good for you, but <laughs> it just leaves so many things unsaid, but just does so much with gesture and facial expression. It's a priceless masterclass by uh, Bill Hartman. It really was some great um, physical comedy just in his in his facial expression alone. And I love the way he just can't bring himself to finish a single sentence. Right. <laughs> that was really good. Terrible breakup. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give that category to Thad just barely um, and mostly because the, that rallying the troops scene was the top one on my list. That one, that one takes the cake for me. I love that scene. What the hell are we waiting for? <laughs> All right, moving on to the next category. What quote is most usable or you want to use in real life? And Tom, this one's to you first. Uh, I th- I think because it the 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 uh, zigzag thing comes up enough. That's when I zog has always been one of my favorite ones, and I think you can use that um, for people when, like oh, just when you think I'm gonna zig, that's when I zag. Well, and then I zog. <laughs> yep, on my list too. I love that quote. I was having trouble figuring out. How could I use that? You really kind of need a little bit of a setup, but you're. Oh right. yeah, yeah. I, I think the the when you zig, you zag. That it, you know, people tend to use that as a phrase. It comes up. All right, Thad. What's your quote that's most usable, or you want to use? My most usable is definitely got to be. Are you gonna let King Dork outdo you? <laughs> I think you could use that in so many situations. Anything where you're trying to prod somebody into doing something. You're like, look at this guy. Are you going to let King Dork out do you? Come on, man. Get it together. Like, I think that you could really just throw that and keep it at King Dork. I think you would absolutely just throw that around and it will be funny just about every time. I just love calling people King Dork. Like it, it doesn't have to even be outdoing anybody. Just calling someone mm-hmm. King Dork, I think, is great. Especially because everybody knows I'm the Dork, right? <laughs> like no, nobody's getting offended because like I am obviously the Dork here <laughs> in I'm any just, situation. <laughs> I'm like, man, Dave didn't even know he was at the bus stop until he got pushed. <laughs> like he didn't even know. Just boom. <laughs> He's too busy reading his clipboard. All right. Tom, what's your second quote that's most usable or you want to use in real life? That's why tonight we dance. (laughs) (laughs) That is a great one. Um, Give me a situation where you would use that. Uh, Just if if you're out and, um, you know, music is playing or something like that. Like, look, we're all here and, and. We might never be together again. That's why tonight we dance. <laughs> Anytime you're trying to extend an evening, I think yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's like, I mean, honestly, you could work it into almost any situation, mm-hmm. I think. But that's a good one. That works. All right, Thad. What's your second quote? My second quote. I'm going to take a little chance here, Lauren. I'm going to throw a little shout out to News Radio Twitter and everybody else. And Ryan's going to be dorks, 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 dorks. Yeah. we do use it we use it all the time i'm absolutely gonna go with it 
it is the quote that launched a thousand dorks. It, it's got to be like the most used line because you don't have to like remember any exact wording or anything. Right. Well, and it's in any situation where you feel like celebrating something news radio e, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you need a chant. Anytime you need a good chant, like it just fits. So for the people who listen to this podcast, absolutely usable. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, dorks, dorks, dorks was number one on my list. Yeah. <laughs> Closely followed by "That's Why Tonight We Dance." Oh um, man, <laughs> it was so close. It was so close. But this one's gonna go to Thad also. I was nervous that Tom was gonna take "Dorks, Dorks, Dorks" as his number two, and I was like, "Do we use my number one?" I'm like, "No, we can't use it number one." I'm like, "King Dork is too good. It's too good." <laughs> that was up there as well. That was that was top four. <laughs> This episode has so many good quotes. I can't wait till part B because I have a long <laughs> list. <laughs> there are so many good ones. It's, it's full of great ones. All right. Next category. What gag or bit had the biggest impact on the episode? Thad, you're up first. It's got to be all the male attention that Dave gets when he's dressed in drag. Uh, I think the the emotion of the episode kind of rides those highs as you know we keep on getting these little incidents of of him being in drag. Um, and again, you know, I, I think it's important to note that it, it's not funny that he's in women's clothing. It's uh, to me, it's always funny when you have a male that's trying to imitate what they think a woman acts like or moves like. <laughs> you know, like that's the joke. So he's like. I don't know, but he gets all the attention. It's unexpected, and I think it really, um, really makes a big impact to the episode. Yeah, yeah, I I agree, and um, you know, kids in the hall fans know that we've right. seen Dave in drag a whole lot. He's got a lot of practice, but he has to make it look like he doesn't, right? Because right. Dave Nelson supposedly does not have a lot of practice. So, right. <laughs> all right, Tom. What uh, gag or bit had the biggest impact on the episode for you? Uh, Bill's belief in everything that the psychic says um, <laughs> and, and how he reacts to the, that information, that anything that he said, that she says to him, um, it, believing that he's going to die in 36 years or whatever. And that that's, <laughs> that's like, you know, a death sentence. And then that he could, that he might be living forever because this, what the psychic says so <laughs> oh man that's that's a good one yeah because that kind of carries through and that's um yep. i i'm always fascinated with bill's psyche and mm. this is like this is like a, a glimpse into that so um for that reason i think this category is gonna go to tom um yeah, the way he just buys into it immediately. Like, um, yeah. Catherine was kind of, like, shocked that uh, Bill believed in psychics to begin with. She was like, you really right. believe in this stuff? And then we find out, oh, yeah, he, he <laughs> bought the whole thing. <laughs> Gives it a little lecture. Yep. <laughs> okay. Now we're going to move on to the coolest detail. What was the nice, adequate touch? Uh, Tom. I think the, the most adequate touch, it's the dance that Bill does when he requests <laughs> Rump Shaker or some reasonable facsimile. It is so freaking funny. It's like just the, one of the worst. It just looks like the awkward old white guy type of dance. But like he's got this grin on his face that, or this goofy look on his face. It's just, ah, oh, it's great. Priceless. Damn, that's a good answer. That is a really good answer. It kind of looked like he was trying to... It was some sort of attempt at the Cabbage Patch. Cabbage Patch, yeah. yeah. It was like Running Man, Cabbage Patch mix right. up. And... Something, yeah, something like that. And a perfect yeah. cut into the two of them, one and under each arm, dragging him into the office. Yes. It was really, really effective. Oh, man, really good. Okay, man, that's a tough answer to follow, Thad. What do you got? What's your adequate touch? Oh, yeah, I, know. I believe like, that actually changes the one I'm going to go with. Um, <laughs> I'm going with Beth's elevator button push the second time. Mm, well, they yes. open up the thing. And you know what's really great is that you look at him. Catherine looks so shy when he says it. I'm just like, oh, man. And then the way Beth kind of like almost leans away from the button as she extends her arm and slowly presses it, <laughs> pulls it back. 
you know, and then Matthew kind of gets him going again. Um, you know, I, you know, I mean that, and the fact that they were they were chanting for thirty seconds as the elevator didn't move. They <laughs> didn't even notice. Just getting caught, and then just the way she pushes that button just absolutely cracks me up. Like I, I, I like soak up every second of it. Oh man. Okay, I'm gonna score this one a tie because I'm I'm obviously a huge Beth fan, and I do notice that maneuver every single time I watch this episode. Is yeah, the way she leans away and then like kind of slinks her arm out and extends that hand towards the button. But Bill's dance is like iconic. Right? Uh, <laughs> you know, what? I was it was looking bad. I'll take a tie. For me, a tie is a victory in that category. <laughs> okay. All right, um, moving on to best episode enigma. All right, so what are some questions that came up for you here, Thad? All right, so my best episode enigma. What do people think Dave and Dorothy's costumes are? Because if you think that Dave is a woman, then what's his costume? And Dorothy is also just a woman. So either you understand that there's an element of them being a woman that's part of the costume, or basically, you know, men are animals and they don't really care. (laughs) Which is is probably the real answer. But I'm just like, it's a costume party. Everybody's a costume. What do people think of Dave and Dorothy if they don't recognize that they're costumes? This question is for Bill. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. That is a really good question. That I do not have an answer to. Uh-huh. <laughs> Man, that wasn't even on my list, and now I'm like, why wasn't it on? Not on my list. Uh, okay, Tom, tough All right. one to well, follow. My, yeah, my, <laughs> this is definitely gonna go to that. Uh, this is um, <laughs> my, mine. Was basically was was Matthew just in the midst of going through costumes that represented each member of the village? <laughs> you had a biker you had a construction worker was there a cop before that a cop after that what what was going on he's working on his own it's like a group theme costume but he's doing but he's it doing himself it over the course of the, multiple yeah. years he's, <laughs> he's got a collage <laughs> he's not aware <laughs> he's got the Maybe. five pictures lined up on his dresser is it is it possible that Joe is suggesting <laughs> <laughs> members of the village people to dress oh, up as, and he does not know? I'm not going to think of that's, it any other way at this way. Like, that's 100% how I'm going to realize that's why he's dressing like that. That's extremely <laughs> possible. Yeah, I 100% believe that. <laughs> Either Joe or Bill. Uh, like, one of the two could be doing that. Pulling the strings. <laughs> well... You answered your own enigma, so I, yeah. I think I have to give this one to Dad. Oh, yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> you got moded by your own mode. Um, okay. <laughs> Moving on to keepsakes. The bill, I stole your cane. Keepsake. All right. Tom, what's your first keepsake you want from this episode? Uh, I would go with the lobster costume. That that seems like it's definitely wearable for... Uh, for Halloween, uh, yeah, nice and bu- nice and bulky. If you're not in the best of shape, so that's good. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I like that one. Yeah, Lobster Boy is uh, in the background at the party. Um, you can see him in a lot of scenes. He's very on display in the background in that scene where uh, Bill is uh, breaking it off with Dorothy. So yes, if anyone's yeah. looking for Lobster Boy, he's right there, front and friends. Well back and center he's in the background <laughs> right right between right right in frame so if yeah. you're looking for the lobster costume it's a great one <laughs> it really it's is. the cost it's the costume that looks like a lobster you'll, you'll yes, see yes that's it. the one <laughs> keep an eye out for that one all right thad what's a keepsake for you i'm gonna go with dave's wig and i think it would just look great in my dave section of my of my news radio cave <laughs> Uh, of just having like little head, have the little wig on it, you know, and like I'm always gonna remember what episode that's from. Just looking at the wig. It's part of the Dave Cave. All Dave right. Cave. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a good choice. Um, all right, Tom. Second keepsake for you. What's something you want from this episode? 
Uh, I'm going to go with Bill's costume. Uh, it looks like a revolutionary general, possibly George Washington um, type costume. Uh, I it it looks good, and and just knowing that that was Bill, you know, Phil Hartman's costume would be good to display. It did look like a nice quality costume. Like mm-hmm. it, yeah. it wasn't a cheapy like buy it in a bag at Spirit Halloween kind of thing. Right. <laughs> okay, true. Thad. Second keepsake for you. Mine is going to be Catherine's uh, Queen Elizabeth or Queen of England uh, jewelry from the costume. Once again, in my Catherine section of my news radio cave, uh, she is very regal. I always think of her just being really elegant, really regal. So, mm-hmm. you know, seeing that in, in the memorabilia section will like fit 100%. And it had a scepter. Yeah, I mean, right. come on. Yeah, there was a scepter. Yeah. How yeah. awesome is that? <laughs> and she's Catherine with a C, which is already regal. So. Already, Already regal. regal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's no secret I'm pro scepter. So um, I, I think I'm going to give this one to Thad. <laughs> Always go with the queen, Tom. <laughs> Can't vote against the queen. All right. Here we go. Now we're on to the MVP and runner up. So. Thad, tell me who you have for MVP of this episode. Mr. Jimmy James is my MVP. Mr. Jimmy James. Okay. And Tom, who's your MVP? Uh, Bill. Bill. All right. Okay. So, Thad, tell me why Jimmy James is the MVP. Okay. Here we go. Jimmy James is a mastermind. So we open the episode with him deliberately bringing the performers past the staff. What the hell do you need a snake handler, a juggler, and a mime in the same meeting for? What do you need the three of them in the same room for? He parades them past the staff so he can come out and throw it in their faces that they're not invited to the party because of the way that they act. Which he mm-hmm. knows will get Dave and Lisa to step in on their behalf, get the staff into costumes into the right mood, to the party. Then on top of that, he totally manipulates Dave and Lisa into doing the spooky hokey pokey (laughs) while he sits in the corner with the cool kids and makes fun of them. Jimmy James is like Kaiser Soze and sets up the entire thing right from the start, plays everybody like a fiddle, and sits back and watches the the fruits of his labor at the end of the the scene. Bonus point for Kaiser Soze. <laughs> Kaiser Soze. <laughs> Kaiser Soze. <laughs> Tom's always better at the impression. <laughs> now he's the man of nine or ten voices. We're, we're building them up. <laughs> All right, Tom, tell me why Bill is the MVP of this episode. All right, well, first, I have to just rebut the, the previous argument. All Jimmy needed to do was wheel in a keg of beer. And all he didn't need any of the other thing. The only thing that they're going for is the open bar. They don't care about the snakes, the mime, or anything else. So that, that's just to be clear. Um, but no, Bill Bill's the MVP because he has a lot of the best reactions, the best lines, clearly the best physical comedy um maybe with dave uh, also with that that little run that dave does is pretty <laughs> pretty outstanding but but bill's bill's dance uh his explaining to dorothy is just over the top it's it it makes this episode uh much better than than what it would have been very good uh this is a tough one no it's not <laughs> 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 totally kidding totally kidding i'm gonna say i didn't even have jimmy on my list but i felt like that you made a really good argument <laughs> that he's kind of a master manipulator he's the here. kingpin i'm telling you like i now i'm picturing jimmy like super sad last year watching the cool kids make fun of him and feeling like i want to be with the cool kids and so mm-hmm. he orchestrated this whole thing so that he could be one of the cool kids. Why do you need a snake handler, <laughs> a juggler, and a mime in the same meeting? And he what talked to them for, for like two seconds and then sent them all straight up to the penthouse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just just let me point out, if in 1996 you're doing the hokey pokey at an adult 
party. <laughs> you are doing something wrong. But again, you got to realize he goes up to Dave and goes, Lisa, you've shown initiative while Dave is sitting there in that costume. He does it deliberately mm-hmm. to be Dave be like, yo, wait a minute, look at me. And then he sets them up so that they compete to do that hokey pokey in front of everybody. Yep. He set them up to do the Elaine Bennis. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, we got Elaine Bennis. All right, this, that, all right, that did it for me. I'm sorry, it's going at that. <laughs> <laughs> Note to self: '90s references, up the '90s references. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I still live in the '90s. <laughs> Where do you think I'm getting all these references from? <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, that completes our Abza Fever round. I'm going to tally up the points. And then I'm going to give you the Freakzilla report straight from the message boards. It's all the best and worst reactions to this episode at the time that it aired. This episode is brought to you by Hats by Beth. Remember, they're not Mushmouth hats. They're Donald hats. Hats by Beth. So... A few days before this episode aired, our friend Tavy came to the message boards and posted the TV guide description of the episode. It read, To get the staff invited to Jimmy's lavish costume party, Dave and Lisa must prove that the folks at WNYX have Halloween spirit. But once there, it's Dave who learns that it, this holiday can be a total drag. <laughs> they saw that. That was the description? That was the description in the TV oh, guide. Wow. <laughs> Well, that was enough to throw the message boards into a tizzy. Um, everyone read between the lines and realized <laughs> this episode was going to feature Dave in drag. Right. And the big question was, how would they do it? So there right. was this big debate. Would he be dressed like a woman who looks like a woman? Or would he be dressed like a costume of a woman? Um, so that was a big question. And a few people ended up seeing a commercial for the episode that revealed the costume. But they said they wouldn't spoil it for anyone else. And I'm just still amazed that people had to actively avoid commercial spoilers for sitcoms in the 90s. <laughs> it's such a big reveal. Why would you put that into any type of commercial? Mm-hmm. It's such a great reveal. It, it was, right? I mean, that was the... the I, I don't know. <laughs> they set up the whole Savages. scene just so that you don't see him until he finally says something. I know. Yeah, yeah. It's just more proof, you know, the moving time slots and <laughs> sabotaging their commercials. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's no secret that there's a lot of crossover between the Kids in the Hall fandom and the news radio fandom. So when Dave appeared on screen in drag, the Kids in the Hall fans went nuts on the message board. Someone named Barbara said she loved Dave's patented skippy hoppy girly walk. (laughs) That was Barb's words. (laughs) Um, When he's chasing Lisa through the bullpen in his high heels. And there were lots and lots of quotes from various sketches where Dave played a female character. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them I caught, some of them I didn't. Um, but um, our friend Tavy said when he took off his wig, you know, at the at the end of the episode, she was reminded of the bittersweet last episode of Kids in the Hall when they were asked to return their passes, their coffee mugs, and yes, their wigs. But of course, now we know that was not the last episode ever because it was just the last of the original recipe. Now we have another season of extra crispy Kids in the Hall. <laughs> and they got their wigs back. <laughs> So that has been this episode's Freakzilla Report. So right now, going into the second and final round, we've got a little bit of a landslide at the moment. So we've got Thad leading Tom six rounds to two. Yikes. Finally not a tie. There you go. But we're going into round two. Um, This is what we call the Marty Party. It's a little more social. It's going to be our Hoodoo Factory versions of Buy or Sell and Would You Rather. And as we all know, a good Marty Party does not an abs make. Except sometimes it does. It's still anyone's game. And here we go. The first game of round two is called Is It the Real Deal or the McNeil Perspective? For this game, contestants will get a statement to either buy as the real deal or sell as the McNeil Perspective. The second contestant will have to argue the side not chosen, and everyone will score points by making good points in their answers. All right. So, Tom is going to be up first. 
So Tom, tell me, is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective that Lisa has the lamest costume at the entire party? I'm going to say that's the McNeil perspective. I think Joe's, uh, in fact, is lamer. Um, at least Lisa looks nice. You know, I mean, it's, you know, it's pretty basic, but, you know, she, she still looks cute in her outfit. Whereas Joe just looks like all he did was, I guess, take his shirt off with an undershirt, put a lab coat over it, and a little stethoscope kind of thing on his head. It just, it's terrible. <laughs> All right. Um, that is the McNeil perspective. All right, Thad, tell me why it's the real deal that Lisa had the lamest costume at the entire party. All right. It's the real deal that Lisa has the lamest costume at the entire party because she's the one that got the entire staff to go to the party. Even though it was on Dave, the small amount of effort that she put in, basically putting on a red shirt and black slacks, horns, <laughs> a little horn barrette or hair tie, whatever, not a hair tie, but whatever, whatever women call it. Obviously, hair is not my game. Headbands. And, <laughs> and a, a crappy plastic pitchfork. A, any, anybody knows carrying something as a prop at a party is not a lot of fun. So she shows up, possibly, you know, in the running for least amount of effort put into the costume. And she has to carry around this little awkward pitchfork. Otherwise, it looks like she put even less effort in than she already did. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to give that one to Tom because I had actually the same thing down. Joe's costume was lamer, and I may be a little bit biased, but I really hate that wife beater look. I hate it so much. <laughs> um, I got to say this. The lamest costume was the guy dressed as a bush. Uh, it, was, it was a green suit. You didn't suit. like Bush guy? It had all these leaves. I'm like, you're going to run into things in that thing. It doesn't look the, cool. It doesn't. The head part. I was like, no way. I go, that's easily the worst costume in the place. I'm like, ah, I'll take that Joe on autopsy corner or whatever every time over that Bush costume. What do you do in that Bush costume when you have to go to the bathroom? Hey, just be in the bushes. <laughs> Like nothing that's not going to get you arrested. <laughs> Look at me, I'm a bush. <laughs> Thank you for bringing up Bush Guy. I appreciate that. Terrible. <laughs> All right. Second statement Is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective that Joe put in the least amount of effort into his costume? And this one's to Thad first. This is going to be the McNeil perspective. Because Catherine didn't even change or take off anything. She literally wore the same clothes she wore at work all day and added in the costume jewelry and gloves. So at least Joe had to take something off and, and make a change here or there. Catherine didn't even do that. She just threw on a pair of gloves, a couple of jewelry, bam, Queen of England. She might have already had that jewelry at home. We don't know. That's, I mean, I kind of figured. But either way, like, what did she do? Ran out, grabbed the jewelry. She didn't even change her clothes. <laughs> right. Not even change her clothes. Just whoop, put it That's on. That's true. Lisa at least did change her shirt, right? Change the shirt, yeah. Might have been the same black pants, but it... all right. All right. Good point. All right, Tom, you have to tell me, why is it the real deal that Joe put in the least amount of effort for his costume? I will. Yeah, this is the real deal because while Catherine, yes, did not change her clothes, which, you know, is not really difficult. That's a very easy thing to do. Um... She had to go out and find costume jewelry with a, a large crown. She had to get a, a, she got a scepter. She had the white gloves. Um, Joe only had a lab coat and one thing on his head. That's it. it like, at least he could have put like, uh, you know, a, a button up shirt underneath because I don't know. It, what, is, is it a garage where these guys are working on the, on the alien autopsy? What's, what's going on here? <laughs> All right. Um, I do agree that it's the real deal, mostly just because we know how easy it could have been for him to have a spectacular costume because we know he knows a guy, right? <laughs> that's, that's, good point. <laughs> that's what I was looking for. But no, I do agree it's it's the real deal. So I, I'm giving this one to Tom. Look, I figure Joe did just take his shirt off, like go home, literally take his shirt off, wear the same work shirt underneath. 
Mm-hmm. And he probably had the lab coat at home. He changed his sneakers, I think, is what <laughs> is really what it was. He's wearing white sneakers at the end. And at the beginning of the episode, I can't tell if he's wearing boots. But he does, I don't think he's wearing the white sneakers. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he, wasn't he went, enough. He, he, he decided a, a alien autopsy coroner definitely wears white sneakers. White sneakers. And yeah. so he, he put those <laughs> things on. So matches his A shirt. <laughs> <laughs> but what does he know? He's only got the blooper tape. That's right. <laughs> yeah, he's so good in that scene. Just... <laughs> All right, um. we'll get to that. We'll, I'm sure we'll be covering that. All right, uh, next statement. Is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective that Dave got hit on by five or more men at the Halloween party? Tom, is that the real deal or the McNeil perspective? I'm going to say that that is the McNeil perspective. I think we see two. And we see what we think is probably a a decent um, sample of the party. And Dave's with Lisa for a a bit. Uh, He does take off his costume at at some point during the party. We don't know if that's the end. Um, So I'm saying no. He uh, he was with Lisa enough and and out of the party enough that he, he only got hit on by, at the most, two more men. Okay. All right. So, Thad, tell me why it's the real deal that Dave got hit on by five or more men at the Halloween party. All right. This is the real deal. I need you guys to come with me for a second. <laughs> oh, boy. As we get to the scene... No, I'm saying... We're, <laughs> as we get to the scene where Bill is announcing the winners of the costume, it opens... And we have a long-legged lady in the corner of the screen. Turns out it's Dave. I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> like, that's Dave in costume. I was like, oh, I see what Jimmy was saying. So I'm going to say this. Dave got there before the rest of the crew. And we saw two already hit on him. So between men. Okay, this is, this is, this is where I'm going to add it up. We see what we assume are straight men hit on Dave. But I would assume that there would be some gay men there who would recognize that Dave is not a woman and possibly go check out and see what it's all about. So I think seeing two, it's very likely that at least three more attempts were made to approach Dave by men. Okay. Those long, slender legs. (laughs) Those long, slender legs. All right. I'm going to give that one to Thad. I agree. I think it's the real deal. My whole reasoning was just Bella the ball, more like party slut. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Last statement. Is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective that Bill was more dismayed at Dorothy Johnson's reveal than Dave was relieved to reveal he's a male? So this is dismay versus relief. So was Bill more dismayed or was Dave more relieved. All right, this one's to Thad. Uh, I'm going to say this is the real deal. Uh, Because when Bill sees Dorothy, he realizes all that he lost. And because he's Bill, a good-looking woman like that buys him a lot more ego points and a lot more flash-around points than just some regular, just probably a woman that he should be dating, quite frankly. So I think Bill lost happiness, the idea of happiness, and then all of a sudden he lost the ability to show off and possibly have a relationship with a gorgeous woman. I think he has to be more dismayed. Okay. Very good. All right, Tom, tell me why it's the McNeil perspective that Bill was more dismayed at Dorothy Johnson's reveal than Dave was relieved to reveal he's a male. Uh, I'm obviously going to say that this is the McNeil perspective because Dave definitely is more relieved. Uh, he not only gets to hopefully uh, stop most of the gentlemen in their tracks from hitting on him and getting out of those uncomfortable situations. Uh, he also, have you ever worn a wig for any period of time? That's not mm. comfortable. You know, it's mm. like, oh, you finally get to take this thing off and you just, you know, you can see the relief in it when he's rubbing out his hair because, like, it's 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 annoying. So there's there's relief on two levels, and that's why he's more relieved than Bill is dismayed. Bill Bill also also believes that you know he can find another woman like that because he's an egomaniac. So, mm-hmm. um, Lauren, I'm going to ask you not to accept this answer until Tom gives us more details about him wearing wigs. 
<laughs> you never put on a wig for Halloween? <laughs> Who may or may not be a jelly making thespian. <laughs> no, I I have worn wigs for Halloween. Uh and, the, and you're right, like it gets hot and itchy and like mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And think about if you had hair. Oh, that's a low blow. It would be less itchy, but yeah, I get the point. (laughs) All right. um, I hadn't really considered the physical relief part of it, but I think you make a good point. So I'm I'm actually going to give that one to Tom. Okay. So our final game of part A of the episode is a would-you-rather game based on ideas and situations related to the episode. We'll have a short discussion about each of the four choices and the dreaded bonus consequence. Then everyone, including the host, will draft from all the choices. Whoever's day sucks the least will win the game and be awarded six absa points. All right, so here come the choices. Would you rather be the designated driver for your friends at a rager of a Halloween costume party or bring a date to a work party and break up with them in the middle of the party. Um, Tom, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with be the designated driver. Um, a, you're being responsible. You're helping people get, get places safely. Um, B, you don't have to deal with the hangover the next day. Um, that's just way better. And breaking up with somebody would be, uh, not great in the middle of a party. That 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 to me is a clincher, because then, then you know it's it's quite awkward for the rest of the time. Yeah, that's awkward on so many levels. Bad. What do you think? Um. So the problem with being a designated driver is that you got to hang out at a party for hours. People who are in costumes are even more annoying than regular people, especially <laughs> when they're drunk. Like, it, it definitely goes up an extra level of annoyance. So I can't imagine sitting at a party with everybody going crazy and me just kind of sitting there being like, man, is it time to go yet? Is it time to go yet? Well, everybody gets drunker. Now, on the other hand, if I bring a date to a work party and end up breaking up with them in the middle of the party, which is absolutely sucks, is absolutely uncomfortable... At least, if there's alcohol involved, there's a little bit of like, oh, these guys got a little too drunk at the party, or his, his date couldn't handle this or that at the party. Or, I'm leaving anyway. My party is over. I just broke up with somebody. I'm not going to hang out here for the rest <laughs> of the night. Like, oh, this sucks. Uh, so, I'm going to go with 1B. Bring a date to work party and break up with them in the middle of the party. Uh, it's awful. <laughs> like It's awful no matter what. But I think I would be like probably punching people right through their costumes walking out of that designated driver Halloween costume party. Somebody's like, and I'm just going to punch them right in the teeth. I, I'm curious if it would be different for you if the work party were also a costume party. Does the awkwardness of breaking up with someone while you're both in costume add anything to it for you? Oh, no, it doesn't awkward. It makes it way better. I would, <laughs> like, it's not even a question. First of all, you get great gossip. Did you see that banana that broke up with Little Red Riding Hood? That was crazy. You know, so you get kind of ID'd by the costumes. Like, seeing people in costumes fighting, when is that not funny? When is it not funny? To see people in costumes fighting, having arguments, going at it. It's ridiculous, no matter what. So if you're telling me that it's a, a Halloween costume work party, oh yeah, we're going with B. And then I'm staying at the party, the okay. and I'm having fun. Okay, ah. oh wow. I thought that might bring it the other way, but okay, that's interesting. Absolutely not. There's a nurse nurse in the corner over there, and I'm going to make sure that, that her, I don't know. I, I don't know where I was going with that. I wasn't gonna yeah, I wouldn't go anywhere with that if I were you. <laughs> And I'm going to go talk to her respectfully. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> That's where you're going with that. Yeah, for me, I've, I'm going to be the designated driver just because of who I am. I drink, but I don't drunk. That's just who I always am. So, like, yeah, I'm going to help my friends get home safe. I'm never going to be the person at the party who's getting wasted anymore. That those days Puke are in the long, car long on the ride me. home? Mm-hmm. I used I used to be DD all the time, and I had this uh, hoopty old car that the the <laughs> back passenger side the the handle on the inside had broken off. So drunkest person always goes there, and then I pull up to their house and I watch them try to get out, and mm. it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> 
man. I bet you better not throw up in this car. <laughs> I got kids. There's been worse things, worse things in my car. All right. Um, next choice. Would you rather have a psychic predict that you'll die within three years or have a doctor confirm that you'll live until the age of 150 years old? Dad, what do you think? I am going to go with A, die in three years. Um, the, the idea of living to 150, like, unless I'm physically not going to age, like, I don't want to be in a wheelchair all pruned up at 150, just still alive. Uh, well, and how, do you, how do you afford to live to 150? Like, living costs money. Right. Yeah. So you're probably not <laughs> like, living well and if like you're in a wheelchair right. like that. So like I guess, you know, like if I could kind of stay my, my same age or maybe like my physical peak, I would consider living to 150. That's a whole other set of problems. You know, uh but I think, you know, someone tell me I'm gonna die within three years, like maybe I'll squeeze the best three years out or get my affairs in order if and even if they're wrong, I don't lose anything. You know, I still right. end up winning. Right, this um, is assuming you believe the psychic, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, right, you know, yeah, right or wrong, it's like, if someone tells you that, you'll be like, wow, man. It's in your head. Yeah, you're not going to forget yeah. it. Yeah, All right, Tom, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'd go with the psychic saying, yeah, A, I don't believe anything that a psychic would tell me, um, because <laughs> I'm pretty sure all that stuff is just fraudulent. Um, and uh, the 150, that's exactly right. Like, you know, given our current... Medical technology. There is no, like, look. My my parents are in their late eighties, and I see what that's like. And sixty years on top of that, no, thank you, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I feel like having a predicting a shorter lifespan makes you want to like embrace it a little bit. Exactly. More, right? Hey, if yeah. I don't have to worry about bills in like four years. That's what I'm what the saying. Heck, you know? I mean, expensive. <laughs> like if it was a doctor that said you have three years to live, I'd still probably take that. Okay. See, mm. Okay. Here's the thing. I basically had an actuary predict that I will die before any life insurance company will make a profit off of me when I was 29 years old. <laughs> and that to me was way more in insulting than any psychic. Yeah. <laughs> right. I was like, screw you. And I walked yeah. out of that insurance office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it did sort of, like, make me think about, like, the way I live my life. Like, you know, take take the vacation, have the experience, do, you know, live right. your life to the fullest, right? If you're good, if you're, if you feel like you know you're going to live to be 150 years old, procrastination's going to set in, man. <laughs> and before you know it, you're 149 going, ah, oh, damn, I never did the thing. <laughs> That's it. You should have walked back in and been like, you know what? I'm going to get even further away from that now. Like, thanks for telling me the deal. <laughs> Now I'm really going to push it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, next choice. Would you rather learn to handle venomous snakes at parties or learn to juggle chainsaws at parties? Whew, these are getting to be tough choices. Tom, what are you choosing here? Uh, pass. Uh, <laughs> no, I, yeah, these are both distasteful as far as I'm concerned, but I still like chainsaws. I know are they don't have to be running while I'm juggling them, so I guess you know that that I'd rather do. Snakes, I don't really like snakes. I mean, I'm not like that's not like a huge fear of mine, but still, I don't want to have them around, especially if they're venomous. Like that's not good. So yeah, yeah. I go with the chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, you can get dragged out of a party by the EMTs too, pal. <laughs> in fact, that often happens at, at Rangers. <laughs> Not at my snake parties. Hmm. <laughs> what do you think, Thad? Which one are you choosing? Uh, I'm actually going to go with the snakes. I mean, if I can juggle chainsaws, that means I can juggle. Right, I've learned I've learned the skill, <laughs> but chainsaws make me like if you make a mistake with a chainsaw, there is nowhere to go, nowhere at all. I think if you have a venomous snake, like you, you're trained in what to do with the snakes, and you always have anti anti venom. All right, I'm not like, hey, come check out this black mamba. You know, I'm picking like the, the least venomous snake. Like, I want that thing to barely give me a runny nose if I get bitten. Uh, you know, and I'll have antidote with me. So like, I kind of feel like it, it's a more of a contained situation if something goes wrong for the snake rather than a chainsaw man like you make a mistake juggling a chainsaw 
Like, somebody's getting hurt. I don't see any way around it. Yeah. As we yeah. all know, there's a lot of snakes that just give you a mild cold. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one I'm using in my act. <laughs> Find me that snake. <laughs> I will say... I ain't a fear to snakes. <laughs> I I've had a pet I've had pet snakes in the past. Like if you were talking about handling spiders, this would be like a no pro- yeah, give me all the chainsaws. Yeah, Light them on not. fire. I don't even care. No but um, if we're talking snakes, I'm okay. And and like learning how to handle them sort of implies there's some sort of expert there teaching people. So I feel like there's someone offering some guidance. I feel pretty safe. Like you said, there's such a thing as anti venom. Um but I have witnessed the aftermath of a chainsaw accident, oh, and I am oh. traumatized for life. I, never, oh. I, I don't even like people who are wearing the safety gear and they they have experience and they know what they're doing. I can't be mm. anywhere near it. I don't want to be around it. It it freaks me out. So yeah, no don't don't tell us about it. You. Don't tell us nope, about it. No, I will it. not. Don't worry, I will not. In, in the hands of an expert, oh. live targeting can be the safest thing in the world. <laughs> I think I would rather be the target for the Great Throwdini than Jungle Tate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Matthew likes to improvise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, choice number four: Would you rather have your friend borrow a blah outfit from you and get a constant stream of compliments on it, or? Have your boss tell everyone you'll have a crazy costume for the party that night when you haven't picked a costume yet. Um, Thad, what do you think? I am going to go with 4B because you can still find a way to pull it off. Uh, if I had a friend that, that pulled off an outfit that I did not pull off, like, they're like, oh, you look great. Where'd you get it? It would annoy me. It would get under my skin. I would be a little bit petty, a little, a little bit jelly about it. <laughs> Um, but if a boss, like, I would be a little upset at the boss or telling them that I had a crazy costume lined up, but I assume I got a couple hours to actually figure out what can happen. And it's just like Christmas shopping, you know, I give me like four hours and I'll use the panic adrenaline to put something together. <laughs> That's amazing. Amazing gift giver here. You work well under pressure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> CVS is an amazing place. Like Christmas. <laughs> All right, Tom, what do you think? Uh, I think I'd go with 4A. Um, if if maybe it was an outfit that I thought wasn't great, but like then somebody else wears it and get a lot of compliments, well, okay, maybe maybe I just uh, undervalued it. Whereas the other one, then I've got a. I, I I really don't like coming up with costumes anyway. So to have to come up with the most outrageous one, like that's just a pain in the butt. That's that's so much of a pain. Rather than like okay, it's like so. It wouldn't bother me if, if people complimented something that I had and, and somebody else wore. Yeah, I think I'm with you on this one. Um, like, different different styles look better on different body types. And mm-hmm. so if it looks better on my friend, I might honestly be like, why don't you keep it, you know? Like, oh, you got to keep it after that. Right? <laughs> after all that attention, it's theirs. It's yours. Keep it. I, I could never pull it off, right? <laughs> I don't but, want it back. Um, with the with the costume one, I have something called anxiety, and I would crack under the pressure. I, even if I came up with like ten great ideas, I would immediately be like, "This is terrible. No, this is it's not good enough." Like I would never think it was good enough because it had been set up as like the craziest, most outrageous, or whatever. And I would just drive myself nuts, pretty much. Hmm. I would not have a good time. Yeah, <laughs> I would make it happen. <laughs> Well, now I know I would just call my friend Thad, and he would send me down to CVS, and I'd be all right. <laughs> That's right. You'd be like one of the Lost Boys. Tie up some bandanas, some crazy makeup. Boom. Be quoting Hook and Rufio in no time. <laughs> I was just going to say, Rufio. <laughs> Bang a Hear that, Tom? That's the sound of me and the judge. Hit it off. Your chances of winning this game going down. You have no idea how many times I tell my kids, you're a lewd, rude, crude, bag of chewed food, dude. <laughs> you're like, bang a rang. Bang a rang, man. <laughs> Tom's ready to sign off right now. <laughs> Good night, everybody. All right, let's, let's move on to the bonus consequence. <laughs> this just turned into the hook podcast. <laughs>
<laughs> All right. The bonus consequence is get pressured by your grudge-holding boss to be the first one on the dance floor to get the dancing started. Get that spooky hokey pokey going. <laughs> that would be so brutal. Like, oh god, that's the Elaine Bennis fear right there. Oh, that's yep. no problem. That's easy. <laughs> like honestly, out of this, like this is like maybe after being designated driver, this is like the easiest thing. Oh man, that no tells way. me like, Tom's got dance moves that we don't know about. Exactly. <laughs> to the that, or he's got a flask we don't know about. Because <laughs> let me tell you, before I go to that dance floor, I am going to the bar. Like, oh yeah, doing I mean, you gotta, shooters. You gotta have a couple, but I get know, a little liquid courage. I need to go get dance. my rhythm. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Which one makes you dance great? All of them. <laughs> Set me up, bartender. One bourbon, one scotch, my beer. Oh man, I would be so nervous. Like that's that would be anxious for me. Even in costumes like that, like going out there, like all I could think of was Elaine Bennis. That's all I could think of was just the thing. Like I would probably do that to try to make it funny yeah. <laughs> instead of actually really trying yeah. to dance. Because that's exactly yeah, make right. a joke out. Yeah, of it. exactly. Yeah. Like you but, can, like, you can you either gotta, make but it funny. The boss or is you... gonna go in. You can't make it like if you treat it like a joke, the boss may think you're kind of being disrespectful. I don't know. Yeah, it's a grudge-holding boss. That's mm. the thing. Ugh, I don't know. I don't know. It could go either way. <laughs> All right. So now that we've discussed the choices, we're going to do a quick draft, and then we'll come back, and we'll let you know how everyone's day went. Welcome back. We have drafted our choices, and now we're going to find out how adequate everyone's day was. So I'm going to start with my day. My day went, went like this. I'm going to have my friend borrow a blah outfit from me and get a constant stream of compliments on it. That bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was like, I'm just going to start layering underneath. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to set you off. I didn't. I don't know why that threw me off so much. That was really funny. Okay, then I'm going to learn to handle venomous snakes at parties, and I'm going to bring a date to a work party and break up with them in the middle of the party, potentially while holding a venomous snake. <laughs> so well, they might just run away from me. <laughs> you're both cold blooded, so I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> Now that, that Paula Abdul song is going to be I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. Here's Thaddeus's day. He's going to have a psychic predict that he'll die within three years. Dye my hair. <laughs> All that hair he's got <laughs> is going to be dyed. <laughs> <laughs> then he's going to have his boss tell everyone that he's going to have a crazy costume for the party that night when in fact he hasn't picked out a costume yet then he's going to have a doctor confirm that he'll actually live until the age of 150 years old so now he's regretting this decision to dye that hair <laughs> <laughs> Tom's day goes like this He's going to be the designated driver for all his friends at a rager of a Halloween costume party. Ugh. Then he's going to get pressured by his grudge-holding boss to be the first one on the dance floor to get the dancing started. Mm. Then he's going to learn to juggle chainsaws <laughs> at parties. So it's I'm a good thing I'm sober. I'm picturing <laughs> yeah. sober Tom at a party filled with drunk people. He's the only one dancing on the dance floor, and he's juggling chainsaws. <laughs> So I'm going to say, I'm sorry, Tom, your day sucks. <laughs> Thad's day sucks the least. Yeah. So based on those days, I am going to declare Thad the winner of Have an Adequate Day. And that's going to make him also the winner of today's episode. So do you have any final thoughts for your adoring fans? I want to dedicate this win, Lauren, to the 1990s. Uh, one of our greatest generations and, and greatest decades where we have things like Steve Urkel and the Urkel bot and news radio to, to keep <laughs> us all, all warm and happy. And I'm also going to dedicate this to Halloween parties everywhere. Even though everyone in this damn Halloween party was covered up to the max, I still respect it because costume parties are fun. <laughs> <laughs> so this one is for the 1990s and for Halloween parties, but prefer preferably 
not Halloween parties in the 1990s because those costumes were kind of lame. <laughs> Just on network TV, Ben. In, in reality, they were they were pretty cool. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> well, congratulations. And we hope you'll join us for a more informal discussion about the episode in Part B. Until then, thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the source for all your hoodoo needs. Happy Halloween, Pumpkin. <laughs> but a Foucault to you too, Pumpkin. Pantyhose, Pumpkin. Thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the source for all your hoodoo needs. You can follow us on Twitter at hoodoo underscore factory. The Hoodoo Factory is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. Please stop by the gift shop on your way out. And remember, the Hoodoo Factory is the supplier of the only known antidote for abs of fever. <laughs>